There's never been a better time to... Uh, I can't even do it with a straight face. It's not even that I'm laughing. It's that I'm like scowling or something. I'm not sure. It seems like right now in the midst of the coronavirus, if you're listening to this around the time when it came out, then you are here in the middle of the coronavirus with the rest of us. And if you're listening to this from the future, well, then you know how this all turns out. By the way, how does this turn out? So it seems like everybody, as soon as we started working from home, as soon as events started getting canceled and projects started getting delayed, there was an onslaught of messages that said something like, now more than ever, we need to X, Y, and Z, or there's never been a better time to X, Y, and Z. And a lot of that is dealt with productivity. Why right now is the perfect time to tackle some big project or rethink your entire existence or paint your home or do whatever it is that people think you should do. And you know what? I am not here for it. I need some tiny projects. I need some quick wins, some short little, look what I did this week. In a moment where we're all sitting in nice shirts and our pajama bottoms in a classic hashtag business mullet, uh, shout out to my friend RKA for teaching me about that one. There's time to just maybe do some smaller spreads to lay off the need to be so damn productive and instead just do some fun things that feel good. I also think that that's kind of the whole goal right now is maybe we should be creation and creating things. But that's what we're talking about in this episode is the power of tiny projects. And I've got a list, a couple of ideas of tiny projects that you could probably tackle in three to five days with a little bit of minimal effort and might make you feel good about getting stuff done. So I'm going to talk about that inside this episode. I've also got a really, really great wine I'm going to be pairing with this. And I think the name is... is, uh, pretty funny and almost how most of us are feeling right now. So let's dive into this episode. I'll see you on the inside. So you have a story to tell and you wonder how to own the stage and give that killer speech that will captivate the masses. You don't just want to speak to them. You want to transform your audience. Welcome to the mic drop moment. Bold conversations about public speaking, storytelling, and business that give you real world valuable takeaways so you can craft a speech, a story, a business, and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your mic drop moment. Here is your host, Mike Ganino. This morning when I was walking, I was texting with my dear friend, Darcy Webb, who is also episode number six. She was my guest on episode number six of the mic drop moment talking about how to uncork your truth. And this morning we were texting each other and uncorking some truth. And we were talking about what happens in vacancy. So right now, uh, everything is slower. She was telling me a really cool story about a little bird that woke her up and, and she thought it was her alarm clock and realized, oh my gosh, it's an actual bird I'm hearing. But there's something interesting about when there's space. And so many of us have space right now, maybe not physical space if we're working from home with roommates or, or spouses and kids, but there's, there's some mental space behind the anxiety, behind the nerves, behind the fear, behind all of that, there's space. There's an opportunity to say, maybe I don't have to go back to what I did before, or what am I supposed to be doing here, or what am I feeling? And it reminded me of this idea from improvisational theater. If you know me, you'll know that I spent many years in the Chicago improv circuit and even here in L.A. quite a bit. And I use improv when I teach public speaking and and even leadership when I was teaching that more, more fully. And one of the things that 
we do in improvisational theater because again you have two people on stage or, or maybe more than two but two people in a scene let's say and they are trying to create something that's interesting for an audience but there's no script there's no outfits there's no costuming there's no plot they're making it up as they go and to do that, they have to be able to read each other and to help understand. And a lot of times what people think is that there's this group shared mentality and we're all vibing on the same wavelength. And what I found is that improv that's based on that usually isn't very good. But what you can do instead is to label what's going on in the scene. So let's say, for example, that you and I were in a scene together and I thought that you were acting insecure. Now, I could just keep that to myself and I could play off of you knowing, ah, this person is being insecure, so I'm going to respond this way. And then you're left to guess what I think about you and also what I'm doing versus if I label it, if I actually just say out loud, wow, you're being so insecure again about the fact that I want to take the dog on a walk alone. You really got to check that. Now you know, oh, I'm playing insecure. He's labeled me as insecure. How do I respond? And then we can start, you know, cooking with Crisco as I think that's an old time saying. I don't know. We can start cooking with Crisco or EVOO if you're Rachel Ray or whatever you want to cook with. Frankly, I don't care what you're cooking with. Hopefully good products. That's I do care about that. But there's this idea that if we label it, we can actually create something together. It's one of the few places where labeling something is helpful. One of the things I was thinking about when I was chatting with Darcy this morning is maybe right now in the midst of, of coronavirus, when so many of us are fearful, fearful for our health, for the economy, for our businesses, for our families, for our homes, maybe there's room to label it. And it's not labeling it the big coronavirus scare. Maybe it's about labeling it how you're feeling. Why are you feeling anxious? Go one level deeper. What's the story behind that? What's the belief behind that? And perhaps when we label that, we can start to understand it. I know for myself that if I, if I take the time to label something, to go further, to say, where is this anxiety, this nerve coming from? Maybe I'll find that what I really am upset about is that I didn't do a better job of setting things up in my business before. Great. I can do something about that. I can label it and I can make different decisions going forward. It doesn't mean that right now in this moment, everything is going to be fixed because I stuck a label on it, but it does mean that I now have a container. And if there's a container, then there might be a beginning and an end to it. There's a way to move to a different container eventually. So I find that labeling what's going on, how I'm feeling, naming it, giving it a space allows me to then figure out what to do with it. It allows me to kind of create that as a separate thing from myself, that the anxiety or nerves I'm feeling are not me. I'm not anxious and nervous. It's that this thing that's going on is happening. And if I can label it and look at it, then I might have a chance of doing something about it. And so I don't know. That's me pontificating for a moment about the power of sticking a label on something. And maybe that means that when this is all over, you do something different with your life. Maybe it means you sink into different kinds of relationships or you create more space to breathe and hear little birds chirping in the morning. Maybe it means you go back and do exactly what you were doing because you loved it so much. I don't know what it means for you, but I do know that by labeling what's going on, the feelings you're having and giving them a container, it's easier to manage them and think about them. So that's my little uh, thanks for asking, but you didn't ask. And thanks for coming to my TED Talk moment there. Now, this episode is really about tiny projects. And what does it have to do with labeling? I'm not really sure, but I think it has to do with perhaps if you label what you're feeling in that moment, creating is the answer. 
I know that sometimes if I label and I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling uh, that I'm not accomplishing something or I'm feeling behind, that in the midst of mess and in the midst of feeling broken and lost and confused, sometimes in that vacuum, in that space, the only thing that makes it better is creation. And, and I believe that creation is something we are all born to do. I think entrepreneurs are creators. I think coaches are creators. Authors are creators. Salespeople are creators. Servers, chefs, everyone is a creator. We are born to create. Everything that exists, exists because we created it. I mean, okay, maybe not like cool little monkeys and fun little dogs. Actually, dogs, that's not true. We did we did create the dogs we have, so that's not even true. But trees and plants and all of that, I get that we didn't create those. But all of the things that exist for humankind outside of that, we did create. And I believe that sometimes in a hopeless place, the thing that brings hope is the idea that we can create again. And so that's what I'm leaning into right now is what is creatable? What can I do? And there's this pressure right now to do these big projects, to take on big things, to stay productive, to hustle and grind. And I don't know in a place like this with how so many of us are feeling if that's helpful. If it is, then don't listen to me. Go create some big thing. Have fun with it. But I know that for me, it's tiny projects that are really fun. It's tiny projects that I'm getting into. One of the tiny projects that I recently launched is this new thing with my friend Chloe DeVita. We launched the Spotlight Academy, which is a place that eventually will be a place for public speakers and people with messages to get out in the world, whether that's through videos or on stage. It's for coaches and authors and entrepreneurs who want to create a movement. And so we had started this before all of the coronavirus and then thought, well, what do we do? So we finished one of the projects and put it out there. You can actually check it out at thespotlightacademy.com slash quiz thespotlightacademy.com slash quiz. We put out a quiz that helps you understand which of these six types of messengers, what's your style, what's your speaking style. And that doesn't necessarily mean what's your speaking style when you get on a stage, but what's your speaking style as far as communication goes with your audience and how you deliver your message and how you go about creating it. And you can go take the quiz. It's uh, totally free. You'll find out which one of these six you are. Uh, there's the motivating maverick, the persuasive entertainer, the innovative visionary, the creative curator, the inspiring advisor, and the convincing educator. So you can go to the spotlightacademy.com slash quiz to take that. Now, that was a little bit more than a tiny project for us, but it initially started out as a much bigger project that we whittled down into a tinier project so we could get it out there and get it done. And I have to tell you, it feels pretty dang good to get things done. But again, you can go check out what we got done at thespotlightacademy.com slash quiz. You'll find out what your style is and learn a little bit more about it. Um, super helpful, even if you're doing like virtual things right now or you're working on some things inside of your business, there's... Uh, tips for you. So tiny projects. This is not about big things, not about launching a new business, writing the book or any of those. There's great people out there to teach you all of that. What I wanted to talk about and what Chloe and I are actually working with this other thing that we're launching called the Spotlight Creators Club, which will be all about these little tiny sprints. We're going to do these three to five day sprints where we work through a tiny project together, get it done, get it launched, get it out into the world. We are going to be doing a lot of those things because that's what we've been up to. We've been creating tiny projects to help us keep our minds busy and to feel like, oh my gosh, I accomplished something. And so I've got a bunch of tiny projects that you might want to tackle uh, on the back end of this episode. But I thought now 
now that I've talked about tiny projects and big projects and labeling what's going on in the world, I thought it was time for a little bit of wine. You'll know that I do these episodes called Wine and Wisdom Episodes, where I teach alone. I don't have a guest today. It's just me talking, and I pair it with a specific wine. And so that's what we're going to do. So grab your glasses and let's have a sip. On this episode, when we're all feeling like we'd love to just get away from this, I'm pairing this with a great wine that comes from Oregon. It's a Pinot that's made from six different vineyards. So they're taking the Pinot Noir grapes from six different vineyards. So I'm going to talk about Oregon wine, this wine specifically, and what you might pair it with. They've also got a great movie, a great documentary about this winery that you might want to check out. So let's talk about it. Right now, we all want to get away. So I am pairing this episode with with Brooks Wine. If you know me for a while, you'll know I'm a big fan. They're good friends of mine, and they make delicious, affordable Pinot Noirs from Oregon. And Oregon is kind of like the height of Pinot Noir here in the United States, and it can be pretty pricey. So Brooks Wine does a great job of having affordable, everyday Pinot Noir. Uh, You should definitely go grab a case, grab a bottle, get whatever you can. They are open. They're taking orders right now. So go onto their website at brookswine.com to check out what they've got available. They've actually got cool uh, packages with different ones and different uh, organized it all for you. So go check out what they've got at brookswine.com. This one is called the Runaway Red. <laughs> that's, that's because we all want to run away. So this is called the Runaway Red. A couple of years ago, Chef Phil Fox and I were there spending time. We stayed at the at the winery in the house with uh, with the owner, Janie, and we did a big cookout for, for a bunch of the team there and uh, to thank them for letting us stay there with them and being our hosts for the week we were there. They, uh, we cooked a big dinner and we made runaway red chicken. So we made a great roast chicken with this wine as well. So runaway red. It's about 28 bucks, so super affordable. If you've had Pinot Noir from Oregon before, you'll know that it could be you know pretty pricey, like a standard one. And so 28 bucks is a great price for this super drinkable red from Brooks Wine. It's a Pinot Noir from six different vineyards. It sees some French oak for about 10 months, which gives it this nice, nice, smooth notes to it without really adding a whole lot of like oaky flavor to it. So it's not overpowering this. You're going to have like nice red ripe fruit here. Think strawberries. It's a really great drinker. Uh, in fact, my friend Chloe DeVita, who normally drinks whites, she would love this red. I would pair this. I think this would be really nice with some pizza. I would love this with a little pizza. Maybe you're taking part in ordering from your local restaurants. Grab yourself a pizza. Also really good with pasta. I would do this with a red sauce. Maybe not a spicy red sauce, but it's got um, it's got a nice acid uh, undertone here to be able to stand up to those tomatoes. So I would try it out with that. It's also just like super drinkable. So if you're on the vacation hours of drinking and you just need like a glass of Pinot at noon, this is the one I'd hit. So Runaway Red from Brooks Wine. You could check them out at brookswine.com. I wanted to talk really quick about Oregon as well. So why is Oregon such a cool place for Pinot Noir? Why are they making it? There are over 800 uh, wineries up there, and they're really known, again, for Pinot Noir. Like, it is the home of great Pinot in the United States. Now, the greatest spot for this is the Willamette Valley. That's the area where the really great Pinots are coming from, although it's grown all around the state of Oregon. Now, if you think about it, they've got this really great climate. They've got the uh, coastal range. Coastal range is great for for, uh, wine, so it's just on the other side of this. So it's got this great uh, climate. 
it's cool enough for Pinot Noir. They're a thin-skinned grape, so if it gets too hot, they're not going to do so well with that. So Pinot Noir is very picky about weather. This has got the cool climate that's going to keep it nice. That um, ocean is also keeping it, uh, you know, a nice little microclimate as well. We've got these these cool valleys and things. And years ago, during the years ago, like it was like five years ago, no, like millions of years ago, during all of the glacial things and stuff, when the water melted away, it left all this amazing volcanic silt there as well. So you've also got volcanic soils, which I think add this really cool minerality, this uh, crispness, if you will, to the wine. And so I'm loving uh, Pinot from Oregon. If I'm getting a Pinot from the U.S., it's typically... I want it to be from Oregon and then specifically Willamette Valley. And for me, uh, even more specifically from Brooks Wine, they've got all the way up to those celebration bottles that are going to that are going to be a little more expensive, all the way down to this twenty eight dollar runaway red, which I recommend you to check out. If you're ordering some wine, go to brookswine.com and check out what they've got. The other thing that's really cool is you can get your bottle of wine and then on Amazon Prime, there's a documentary made about the family, about the Brooks Winery family. And it's called American Wine Story. And I just checked, it is available on Amazon Prime. So you can go rent it or buy it there. And it's a great film about this winery. They've got a really great story and what they've come through. And uh, it's just it's heartwarming and i think you should grab a bottle of runaway red watch the movie and uh and call it good so that's my wine for today if you check it out let me know hit me up on the socials tag me in it tag brooks wine as well because they're doing really cool stuff and i'm just such a huge fan don't miss a single mic drop subscribe to the mic drop moment So let's get back to those tiny projects. Again, if you have a big project you're working on and you want to get it done, by all means, be my guest. But there might be some smaller sprint-style things that you can get done, some little three- to five-day projects you might want to finish. There's a sense of accomplishment. You actually move forward. There's this power in creation, I believe, right now. So I'm all about a tiny project. So here are a bunch of ideas. Uh, Clota Vita and I came up with these. Uh, She's my co-host over at the Spotlight Academy. We've got the Spotlight Academy Facebook page. You can join us over there and we're uh, chatting and sharing ideas there. You can also go to the spotlightacademy.com slash quiz to take our speaking style quiz to find out which one of our six speaking style archetypes you are. You'll get a bunch of advice for how you show up on video, on stage, even just on your website and things like that. There's a lot of story driven content there as well. But one of the things we're doing is creating this new community called the Spotlight Creators Club. And in it, we'll be guiding people through these three to five day sprints and really doing master classes, teaching, going live, helping people with it. And so I thought I would share some of them with you in case you're interested in starting some of these projects on your own. So here are a bunch of tiny projects that entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, experts like you might think about tackling right now that don't have to take you a lot of time. One of the ones that I recently started working on was my event planner page on my website. So if you go to MikeGanino.com slash event planner, that is where I load up all of the things that I want people to see who I might be doing an event for. I also realized that I should make it for podcasts or for interview requests for media or for people who are writing for Forbes or something like that. 
I put it all in one place. What's easy about it is that they can get headshots there. I think there's three or four headshots they can grab. There's a, a long bio. There's my speech intro bio. There's my media bio. All of the details they need there. And so I've been working on making some updates to it. They're not live yet. They'll be live next week. But I thought, oh, this is a small little project I can tackle. And you might be saying to yourself, well, I don't know how to do that on my website. I don't know how to make that happen in Squarespace or, or WordPress or whatever you're using. And then don't do it there. Put it into a Google Drive or a Dropbox folder and simply call it um, your event planner folder or your media folder, whatever kind of thing you do. But event planner works well. And then inside of there, give them a couple of headshots. Give them your long bio give them your short bio, give them a media bio, give them a stage intro. So if you're being introduced for a speech or something, and I know a lot of us are not being introduced for speeches right now or for the immediate future, but why not get that tiny project done, put it in there. Another thing that Chloe reminded me of was it's a good place to put all of your contact information. So what are your socials? What are your LinkedIn, your Instagram, your Facebook, your website? Put all of your contact information there as well because a lot of times people will link out to that. When I have guests on the mic drop moment, I always refer in the in the show notes page to those different places. So put that in there as well. It's super helpful. So that's a small project you could do is your event planner folder. Uh, again, either on your website or just a Google Drive or a Dropbox folder. Super, super easy. Another little one that we'll be guiding people through in the Spotlight Creators Club, but you could do on your own, is redoing your about page. So many about pages. And in fact, for most of us, it is the first or second most visited page on our websites. You should look that up. It's probably true for you as well because people want to know about us. Who is this person that wants to help me? And our inclination there is to start with, here's all the ways I can uh, help you. Here's all the things I've done. Here's my accolades. Here's my, 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 you know, things I've accomplished, places I've gone, people I've spoken for. And it's just not what people really want there. And it seems counterintuitive because it's supposed to be about me. And really, I think your about page should be about them. It's about recognizing what is the problem they're helping and the solution you help them get. And then you go into why you are uniquely the best person to help them do that. And so if you go to mycanino.com slash about, you'll see that it starts the whole like top half, over, over half, I think, is talking about you, talking about what you want and you putting your story in the world and how it helps you get what you want. And then at the end, I talk about myself, why I'm qualified to do it, my unique approach, why I'm a little bit different than everyone else. But it starts with the person in the audience, the person I want to read it. So this is a good chance to look at your about page and say, does mine start there? Can I flip the about page so that it starts with being about the other person and then it ends with why, of course, I'm the person to help them with that. So the about page, I think that's something you could tackle in three to five days as well and just give it a little refresh. Maybe there's a video you want to do. Maybe you want to shoot just a, a lo-fi video to put on your social accounts to introduce yourself. Uh, that's a great project for right now. You can write it, script it, and shoot it in a pretty easy time. And by the way, if you're saying, ah, know how to shoot it. I don't know any of these things. Use your phone. Stand in front of a window with your so that the window is behind your camera and your camera is facing you. So that way you're using the natural light. Don't put the light behind you. Put the light in front of your face and then put the camera in between you and just shoot a short little video there. Talk about yourself. Uh, go through the same kind of thing you would on your about page. And you can use that on your socials. It's great on your LinkedIn profile. It's great on your 
on your pin to the top of your Twitter account. All of those are great places to do that, your Facebook page. It's a good time to reintroduce yourself with so many people out there. So maybe you want to write script and shoot a short, quick video. That's a small little project you can get done in three to five days and feel like you really accomplished something. Another one that we're going to be working with with people inside of that uh, Spotlight Creators Club is thinking through some some of their email nurture. So maybe you've got a newsletter and you send out a newsletter every week, every month, whatever your cadence is. And when people sign up, is there something you send them? Do you send them three to five emails to get them warmed up to you? Maybe it's a list of your top five podcast interviews you've been on. That's a great way to show your expertise without kind of putting it in front of them in a, in a brag, braggadocious way. Maybe you have the top five blogs from your website that people read. Maybe there's a bunch of different things you can put in there. So when people sign up to your email list, do they just start getting your newsletter? Or is there a warm-up period where you send them three to five emails over the course of time that really introduce them to what you do and how you help people? Maybe you help them get a short win in that process. That's one of the short projects we'll be taking people through. And certainly you can do that on your own as well. Take a look. Can you write three to five emails that help people understand who you are, what you do, who you've helped, that kind of thing that is useful to them, that they can actually use that information somewhere? Maybe you're going to do a sprint where you go through and you update all of your different social profiles. So you look and say, okay, my Pinterest page, my Facebook page, my LinkedIn page, my Instagram page, my uh, Google, whatever the case is, go through there and look, are all the profile pictures updated? Are all of the bios what you really want to be saying? Because we approach that sometimes in a set it and forget it way where we do it once and then we forget that it exists and someone reaches out and says, hey, I see that you do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, well, I haven't done X, Y, and Z in a long time. What are you talking about? And you realize, oh, it's an old Pinterest folder. That's what's going on. So that's a chance for you to get that updated as well. So you could do that and just do like one or two a day. Just make a list of all the places you show up and then go get those all updated. If you're somebody who has um, a podcast or you've got videos out there, could you turn those into emails? Could you turn those into blog posts? That's a great sprint. You could do three to five days of doing that. And then at the end, you feel really productive and like you've done some things. So those are all the tiny projects that I've got on my list. And those are also the tiny projects we're going to be guiding people through in the Spotlight Creators Club where they'll get an outline of a sprint. They'll have daily notes on how to get it done. And then we'll do some masterclass with them inside of our group on video, kind of talking through the process. So the best way to find out about that, by the way, is to go to the spotlightacademy.com slash quiz, the spotlightacademy.com slash quiz. You'll take the quiz and then we'll send you an email with your results and then also uh, a link to join the Spotlight Creators Club if that's interesting for you. It's going to be a three-month sprint. Uh, every month we're going to have some social media content prompts to help you uh, get outside to tell some stories, not necessarily get outside, but get outside of what you normally would do. Tell some stories, share some information. There'll also be some master classes. We'll be in there teaching and sharing, and then those sprints, like I was saying. So uh, definitely go back and look at what I said. Do those on your own. Set yourself up three to five days, short little sprints. Or if you want to do it with us, you can certainly reach out. We'll get that going. But in this time when everything feels up for grabs, everything feels like there's a chance to rethink, I think that creation is what we need more than uh, than pressure. 
And it feels like a lot of pressure to be building all these big things, to be pivoting in big ways. And, and maybe you need to, and maybe you have to, and I, I totally respect that. But if you're looking for a little reprieve, if you're looking to make some progress, then I recommend trying on some tiny projects. And try one of the ones I just gave you. Try it you know, next week. Try it this week. Try it tomorrow. Just get started and see how you can make progress in creating something new and wonderful for yourself. I know you have a lot of choices, especially right now, with what you fill your ears with. And I am sure thankful that you've chosen to spend this time with me on the mic drop moment. If you love this episode, it would mean a lot if you shared it out with other people you think could get value. Maybe they need to do a tiny project or maybe they need to hear the message of putting a label on what we're feeling right now. But I'd love it if you shared it, if you gave it a review over in the iTunes store, or if you just sent me a note and let me know how it's going for you. Also, don't forget we talked about Brooks Wine in this episode. You can go to brookswine.com to check out what they've got. We chatted about the Runaway Red, which will set you back about 28 bucks. They've got a lot of great packages there. And also the American Wine Story is available on Amazon Prime. So I will see you on the next episode of this one. Be safe, be healthy out there. See you soon. This episode has ended, but your journey doesn't have to. Head on over to MikeCanino.com. Access all the resources and links that Mike and his guests shared today. And keep on crafting your own story. That's MikeCanino.com. Your audience is waiting. Isn't it time to find your hashtag mic drop moment? 